Well, you know, one of Jesus' most famous disciples is one that actually very little is written about. In fact, the only reason you know him is because of his worst mistake that he ever made in life. How would you like to be known for the worst mistake that you made in life? You know, kleptomaniac Tom, you know, or, or adulterer, you know, uh, I'll just throw out, you know, whatever name, you know. Uh, I always, I'm always a little fearful to throw out names in case I actually say somebody from, you know, from here. <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? You wouldn't want to be known by your worst trait or by the worst mistake that you ever made in life. But yet the guy that we're going to look at today as we continue our series called Encountering Jesus, that's exactly what happens to him. His name is Thomas. You know him as? Downing Thomas. Yeah, we, we know him by his worst mistake that he ever had. And so again, we're going to look at his story today, the encounter that he has with Jesus. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 20. That's where we're going to hang out today. John chapter 20. I want to welcome all of you here in the room, those of you that are watching online as well. In fact, those of you that are watching online, you notice in the upper right-hand corner of your screen right now, there's a little button called Talk Notes. If you'll just press that, that's going to take you to all the scriptures we're going to look at today, as well as all the main points I'm going to be making as well. Now, as we talk about doubt, let me give a little bit of a disclaimer. Doubt isn't always a bad thing. I'll give you an example. Every single year when my Maryland football team plays your Penn State football team, I hope and I pray that Maryland wins, but yet there's this voice in my head, and oftentimes it sounds like your voice going, I doubt it. <laughs> or I'll give you another example. Yesterday, Stacy, who's the young woman who cleans the, the church for us here, she's a great gal. She's uh, actually on staff in another church across the river, but she texted me yesterday, and she said, Gilbert, I, I made a mistake. She said, I vacuumed up a stink bug and it exploded apparently, it stinks. And so I texted back and I said, well, just lay hands on it and bring it back from the dead then. She sort of doubted that that was God's will for her life at the time and sort of doubted that you would want her bringing stink bugs back into existence. So again, doubt isn't always a bad thing, but there are those times that doubt is major. Those times that, you know, your grown child, you've been praying for them to come back to Jesus. You taught them the ways of Jesus as they were growing up, but they, they've drifted away, and you're praying for that. But yet there's that voice in your head that's gone, I doubt it's ever going to happen. Or, you know, some of you, you wanted to be married by now, but it's almost like every day the, the ring finger on your left hand is just screaming at you, I doubt it, not happening. Or maybe there's something for your health, or maybe, you know, you really want to get out of debt, or you'd like to get a better job than what you have right now. You're going, I doubt it's ever going to happen. Some of you do this with your faith. You go, you know what, after all that I've done, could God really love someone like me? And there's that voice that's going, hmm, I sort of doubt it. The truth is, all of us are going to face doubt in our life. That's why this encounter with Jesus and encountering Him is so, so important so that faith can ultimately win out over fear. Which brings us to the story of Thomas then. He, like all the other disciples, he had watched as Jesus been arrested and, and Jesus was killed. He was hung there on a cross and then Jesus was buried in a tomb. But now all of a sudden, 
Jesus starts to appear at first to like Mary Magdalene and, and some of the others. And the disciples, they're like, what in the world is going on? And so they all gather to, together in a room and they're like, what is going on? Is this true or not? And all of a sudden, Jesus appears to them. Well, that is all except for one of them. We read about it in John chapter 20, verse 24. John records this. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. Now, let me stop right there and say this. This is why it's so important that you never, ever, ever miss your life group. Their little life group was together and Jesus showed up. So you don't want to miss it. That's what happened to Thomas. He missed his life group meeting and he missed out on Jesus. Verses 25 to 28 then. They told him, meaning Thomas, they told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. This time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Now, I want to make a couple observations today about the story that we just read here from Scripture. So the first thing, if you're taking notes, is that doubt can happen to anyone. Doubt can happen to anyone. Now, the reason that I say this is in all the other written accounts that we have of Thomas, and again, there's not a lot, but in all the other accounts, Thomas actually was somebody who had great faith. Thomas, like the other disciples, he left behind everything in order to follow after Jesus. That takes a lot of faith to do something like that. But unlike the other disciples, he sometimes had more faith than they even did. I'll give you two examples. So it was Thomas that when Jesus said, you know what, we need to return back to the city of Bethany because our friend Lazarus has died. The rest of the disciples are like, we shouldn't go back there. <laughs> Don't you remember Jesus last time we were there? They tried to kill you. They picked up stones. They wanted to stone you to death. We shouldn't go back there. And it's Thomas that says, no, we need to go. And if we die, we die. Now, maybe instead of doubting Thomas, he should have been death wish Thomas or something, right? I mean, he's like, hey, if we die, we die. But he's like, no, we, we should go. We, we follow Jesus wherever he goes. Or how about this? It was at the Last Supper that Jesus is there, and he has just told the disciples that I'm going to leave you. And it's Thomas that speaks up, and he says, Jesus, tell us where you're going so we can know the way. In other words, he wants to know, how do we get to where you're going? And Jesus then says, uh, it's a very famous Bible verse, John 14, 6. He says to Thomas, Thomas, I am the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. That's a pretty bold statement that Jesus is making there. Thomas, he doesn't doubt what Jesus just said. He just takes it at face value and he believes. But yet here, here in our story, they say to him that Jesus rose again from the dead. And he doesn't believe it. He has doubt. So again, doubt can happen to anybody, including you. These doubts, sometimes it's about your marriage, about your health, your finances, your job. Maybe there's a, a death in your family. 
and they just pop up. And you start to doubt, can I really trust Jesus? Does God really love me? Does God really care for me or not? And, and those doubts can be magnified then if it doesn't seem like God seems to be answering those prayers of doubt that you have. Again, doubt can happen to anyone. Thomas had been a faithful, loyal follower for three years. He had heard all the teachings of Jesus. He had seen the miracles of Jesus, but yet he still ends up doubting. And, you know, we see this other people in Scripture, Adam and Eve, Solomon, many of the prophets in the Old Testament, the great apostle Paul in the New Testament, all write and talk about, and we see the stories about various doubts that they had. And then in the famous Christians throughout history, C.S. Lewis, Charles Spurgeon, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, they all write about the doubts that they had when it comes to their faith. And so what I'm trying to say to you here today is simply this. If Thomas wrestled with doubt, if other great men and women in Scripture wrestled with doubt, if other great men and women throughout history that were Christians wrestled with doubt with their faith, doesn't it make sense that sometimes you're going to wrestle with it as well? So doubt isn't wrong. It's just what do you do with it? Point number two I want to make to you then today is this. I need to be honest about my doubts. That's what I love about Thomas here. He doesn't hide his doubts. He just comes right out and says, I don't believe you guys at all. And he comes out and he tells them, this is what it would take for me to actually believe. Now think about it. Thomas had spent three years with the other disciples. They had become friends. They had become almost like brothers. And they're each one to a man saying to him, no, he rose again from the dead. We have seen him with our very own eyes. And Thomas is like, I don't believe you. He's just being super, super honest. I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Don't put on a mask. Don't pretend that everything's okay if it's not okay. Don't put on that mask and, and pretend that you don't sometimes have some doubts. If you have those doubts, express them. You know, we talk about the Pharisees here all, all the time. And you remember Jesus, he was super critical of the, the Pharisees. And the number one thing that he would call them is, you hypocrites. Because that's what they were doing. They were putting on the mask. And I've shared this with you before that in the Greek, the word hypocrites, which we translate as hypocrite, is also the word that was translated as actor. So what is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is an actor that's put on a mask and is pretending to be somebody that they're not. And so what I'm saying to you is, if you have some doubts about your faith, that's okay. But share it with the people in your life group. This is why it's important that you're in a life group, that you have some Christian friends that you can say, hey, I'm having some doubts about this right now, and here's what it would take for me to believe. That's what Thomas did with his life group. He's just super honest with them. He says, I don't believe you, and here's what it would take for me to believe. I would need to put my fingers into the nail prints. I would need to put my hands into a side, and then and only then will I believe. So it's okay to have doubts. And if you don't believe me, read the Psalms. The Psalms are full of the various psalmists who are writing, just expressing doubts about their faith. 
just be honest with others. And what I think you'll find is that there is realness in that, and there's healing in that, and there's answers to your doubts that are in that. And ultimately, it's going to give you the confidence for your future as you face other doubts. Let me give you an illustration for this. How many of you remember, like, if, well, actually, let me start with this question. How many of you ever flown on an airplane before? Flown on an airplane? That's almost everybody. Yep, man. Those of you online, you can type it in the chat, yes or no. So most of you have. You remember your first flight? You were a little nervous, weren't you? Because you had some doubts. Now, I'm going to call her out. I'm going to order an ice cream cone for this. But Bill, our worship pastor's wife, Megan, many of you know Megan, she has never flown on a plane. She is, like, deathly afraid of flying on an airplane. And we've been saying to her, Megan, you just got to do it one time. And once you've done it, then all those fears will sort of dissipate. By the way, they are scheduled for a trip coming up. I think it's in May that she's going to take her first flight. So be praying for her because she has a lot of doubts. But that's okay to have doubts because we all had those same doubts, didn't we? You doubt, how can this big metal can defy gravity for so long? And you, you doubt, like, the, the pilot, you're like, what if he had a fight with his wife this morning and he's, like, angry or something? And how much experience does this guy have? I don't know who this guy is. I, I doubt that he got the proper training. I remember, many of you know, I used to work for uh, Purpose Driven Ministries. I was on three to five flights every single week, all right? And I did that for four years. And so the, the Southwest pilots, they, they were so funny. I had this one pilot... Before we took off, he came out and he got on the little uh, speaker thing. And he's like, welcome to Southwest Airlines today. He's like, uh, is there any passengers here that this is your first flight? And a couple of people like raise their hands. He's like, hey, we're in the same boat. It's my first flight too, right? And everybody's like, oh, no. <laughs> so you, you, you doubt the pilot. You, you doubt like, is there going to be enough fuel for this plane or not? What if we run out of gas? What if the landing gear doesn't come down when it's supposed to come down? Then what happens to us? You, you have doubts about, like, what happens if there's turbulence? Or what if lightning strikes? So there's all these doubts. But then after that first flight, you got on the second flight, and you didn't have as many doubts. And then a third flight, maybe a fourth flight. I've been on nearly 500 flights now in my lifetime. I don't even think about it anymore. I'm embarrassed to say I hardly even pray anymore before. I mean, it used to be like when I first, I was like, oh, Jesus, like get this thing up and down, right? <laughs> but again, I, I'm embarrassed to admit that most of the time I'm asleep by the time we you know, <laughs> just, just take off and do it. But my, my point is this, it's the same way with your doubts. The, the more you go through doubt and, and the more that you've come through doubt, the better it's going to be in the future for you. Because all of a sudden now you won't doubt anymore. I remember when this like became like very real to me uh, that I was growing in my faith. I got saved July 27, 1993. And this story is probably like 96 or so. So I've been a Christian for a couple of years at this point. Many of you know that before I was a pastor, I was a professional magician. And so I was working in a magic shop. I was on the weekends going out and performing. But then during the week to keep income coming in, I would do what was called restaurant magic. 
And what that was is I go into a restaurant and I go table to table while people were waiting on their food and I perform right there at the table for them. And then I go off to the next table and I perform at that table then. And so at first when I was doing restaurant magic, I had like this restaurant and that restaurant and this restaurant and that restaurant. But then uh, eventually, did you guys have Shoney's here in the Harrisburg area? Do you know Shoney's? Does that sound familiar? Eventually, the Shoney's Corporation, I had gotten into one of their stores. I talked to the manager, and they were like, yeah, we'd love to have you do this. And then I was like, well, hey, there's other Shoney's. And so I went to another city and got a, a gig there on a different night. And then another Shoney's got a gig there. And all of a sudden, I was in different cities and Shoney's every single night of the week. And so that was good. It was a steady income. However... I was putting sort of all my eggs in one basket when it came to Shoney's. No pun intended, right? Weren't they good for their breakfast, Shoney's? Yeah. Um, I'll never forget, I had been out running errands one afternoon. I come home, and the, the light was blinking on the answering machine. Now, for you, those of you that are kids here today, there used to be this, like, in order to actually get calls, you had to be home, and like, there was this, like, Thing. It was attached to the wall. It was like your phone and stuff. And then there was like this little machine you could do answer. It was amazing, right? Because you could ignore a lot of people. Like now with you know with, with this, it's like oh, okay, I guess I got it. Like, but no, I mean, you could just like let things go to the answering machine all the time. Anyway, I get home. There's this uh, blinking on the thing, and I push the button, and this woman says, "Mr. Thurston, this is so and so from the Sony uh, the Shoney's Corporation." We are dismissing you from all of your gigs that you've been doing. Didn't even talk to the managers because it was the managers at each store that had hired me. For some reason, and I never did find out what the reason, all the managers were upset about it. They just let me go. And I remember in that moment, I dropped to my knees, not in desperation, but in worship. And I said, God, I don't understand this. And it's probably going to suck a little bit. But here's what I know. You have been so faithful to Lisa and I these past couple years. And this time isn't going to be any different. And so I trust you in this situation. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. God brought us through that. And I had a second business at the time that had just been sort of like a little part-time thing, you know, so the magic was the full-time thing, a second part-time business that I was running. And it was then that Lisa and I decided, you know, let's put some more effort into that. And then that was the one that like took off and exploded. And we had a lot of people working for us and we did really, really well with it. But again, I'll never forget that. It was such a, a moment of realizing that, oh my goodness, in my past, I was such a worrier. I would have so many doubts. I had so much anxiety. I think I may have shared this with you before of how bad my anxiety was. Uh, when I was in uh, college and I was uh, getting ready to take an accounting final, I actually threw up at my desk. That's how nervous I was. The professor was like, go home, come back tomorrow, take it, right? But I, I used to be that way. Just I would get so nervous about things. So much anxiety. And so that moment of being fired on an answering machine and not worrying, and not having those doubts, but just trusting Jesus, that was such a pivotal moment for me. And I want it to be the same thing for you. It's freeing when you give your doubts to Jesus. And so what we've talked about here today is, so far, 
Everybody has doubts. They're going to pop up from time to time. But be honest about them. Share those doubts with other people. And watch as Jesus is faithful to get you through. Speaking of getting through, point number three then on your outline, Jesus wants to use my doubt to make me a better disciple. For eight days, Jesus lets Thomas sort of sit and soak in his doubt. Many of you can relate because your doubts that you've had, they've lasted much longer than just eight days. But then Jesus comes to Thomas and he says, peace be with you. Now, a lot of times when we hear that, we think that that's just simply a greeting that Jesus given, like, you know, shalom, you know, peace be with you. Like, hey guys, what's up? And it, it is partly that, but there's more to it than just that. You see, what Jesus is saying to Thomas and to the other disciples in this case it is a reminder of something that Jesus had promised them at the Last Supper. We read about it in John chapter 14, verse 27. Again, this is at the Last Supper, the night before Jesus dies. And he says to the disciples, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And so again, what Jesus is doing for Thomas and the disciples when he walks into that, or actually he just sort of appeared in the room, when he appears in the room, He says, peace be with you. He's reminding them that, Thomas, you don't have to doubt. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. I've given you my peace. Don't you remember? Peace is with you. It's a gift. I've given it to you. Have you forgotten that? So why are you doubting? But even still, even in the midst of Thomas's doubt, Jesus says, even still, come here. Go ahead. Put your fingers into the wind. Put your hands into my side. That's exactly what Thomas does. Jesus is reminding him that your doubts may have been real, but what I give, Jesus says, is even more real. The peace that I give is real. And that's why we need to have an encounter with Jesus, because his peace is real. That's the peace that I'm talking about that I had, that I went from a warrior, somebody with anxiety, somebody who would throw up before a college final. But then I encountered Jesus, and he started to change my life to the point that that all went away. Because as Paul reminds us, when we have an encounter with Jesus, Jesus gives us a peace which surpasses all understanding. And it guards our hearts, and it guards our minds in Christ Jesus. And that's what Jesus had said. I'm giving you peace, peace of mind and peace of heart as well. Thomas looks at Jesus then. He says, you're my Lord and you're my God. Now, I know some of you are going, well, Gilbert, it was easy for him to say that because Jesus was standing right there in front of him. Of course, his doubts were erased. Jesus was right there physically with him. Gilbert, I don't have that. And it's true that Jesus isn't physically right before you. But I want you to look at what Jesus says to Thomas right after Thomas makes this confession that you're my Lord and my God. Here's Jesus' words in John 20, 29. Jesus said, Thomas, you have faith because you have seen me. The people who have faith in me without seeing me are the ones who are really 
what? Really blessed. Who does Jesus say the ones that are really blessed? Is it Thomas? No, who is it? It's us, those who have not seen him with their eyes. Jesus says, we're the ones that are truly blessed. Now, in Greek, that word blessed means someone who should be envied because God has extended his benefits to them. Has God extended his benefits to you? Yes, of course he has. The benefits of forgiveness, the benefits of salvation, but what I'm trying to get you to see is the benefit of his peace as well. You've been given the benefit of peace of mind and peace of heart if you'll simply accept it. John Gilbert, intellectually, I understand that, but I still don't really feel a lot of peace in my life. So what I want to encourage you to do then is something that, at first it's going to sound like an oxymoron, but it's the fourth point that I want to make to you here today. There on your outline. To win over doubt, I must fight for peace. Now those two words, fight and peace, they don't often go together, do they? But that's what Thomas does here. He fights for peace. Yes, he had those initial doubts. And the rest of the disciples are going, no, 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 trust us. But Thomas doesn't give up. Even though he has doubts, he still ends up showing up and hanging out with the disciples. And the disciples, they keep inviting him to be a part of the group. They're fighting for him. And there was a fight within himself that maybe, just maybe what they're saying is true. I doubt it. I mean, I have my real doubts, Thomas is saying. But what if? What if what they're saying is true? You see, Thomas is a a good Jewish man. He knew that his God was a God of miracles. That his God was the one that had parted the Red Sea. That his God was the one that had brought manna from heaven and quail from out of nowhere. His God was the one that, that caused the walls of Jericho to fall to the ground. And over and over and over and over again throughout the Jewish scriptures, what we would call the Old Testament, God had done miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And so Thomas has his doubts, but he's holding on. He's fighting with that hope that maybe, just maybe, God has done another miracle again. So he's fighting for peace, peace of mind and peace of heart. One day goes by, nothing. Two days, nothing. Three days, nothing. A whole week goes by, nothing. It's now the eighth day, but Thomas is still showing up. He's still holding on. He's together with the rest of the disciples. And then Jesus shows up and gives Thomas the miracle that he had been looking for. And that single encounter changes Thomas's life. And it's got to be the same for us. You got to keep on fighting. You can't quit. You can't give in. Again, don't do it alone. That's why being a part of a life group is so important. You need other people to fight for you. That when you're in the midst of the battle, whatever the battle may be, maybe it is a battle of doubt, that when you're in the midst of that, they're there to lift you up and hold you up in the midst of it. You know, there's a great example of this in the Old Testament of something that that was like this. Moses, who was the, the leader of the nation of Israel, they were going into a battle against the Amalekites. 
And so Moses is up on a mountainside. And he's looking down into the valley where his general, uh, a guy by the name of Joshua, is leading the, the, the troops of, of Israel. And what Moses noticed is that every time he had his hands extended in prayer to God, he had them up. Joshua and the troops down below, they were winning the fight. But then Moses' arms would get tired. And he put them down for a little bit of a rest. But what he noticed is that when his arms were down, Joshua and the troops started to lose. And so he puts his hands back up, and they start to win. But if you've ever tried to keep your arms up like this for a long time, you know it gets tiring. And eventually, his arms drop once again. Joshua and the troops, they're losing. And that's when a couple guys, we'll call them part of Moses' life group, Aaron and her, they say to Moses, come sit down on this rock. So Moses sits down on the rock. And they get on each side of Moses as he's sort of sitting there. And each of them takes one of his arms and they hold it up. And they pull it close to their body. And they hold his arms up for him so that he doesn't have to do it. And they continue to do that until the battle down below had been won. You need that in your life. You need people who are so close to you that they go, you know what? I'm going to sit here with you, and if it takes me holding your arms up, I'm going to hold your arms up. I will do whatever it takes to help you to win this battle. All of us need that. And so if you're not a part of a life group, make sure that you join a life group. And as we talked about here today, be honest with your life group. Ask for prayer for them. Help them to lift you out of your doubts. And you do the same for them. When they have doubts, you be there. You be the one that's like an Aaron or a her and holding up the arms of others. As I start to wrap up here today, you know, I've shared this in the past. I think that Thomas actually gets a pretty bad rap. That we call him Doubting Thomas. I mean, all of you, when I asked you at the beginning, you all knew him by that nickname. But what happens after the doubt? What happens after this encounter where now he has the peace that he needed? Well, we know because we read it written in history that Thomas devotes the rest of his life to traveling all over the then known world to share the good news of Jesus with as many people as he possibly could, to share that Jesus really did rise again from the dead and he has the power over sin. Not just to forgive sin, but the literal power over sin. He can give that power to you so that sin is no longer your master anymore. Thomas ends up going all the way into India. And again, we know from history, not from Scripture, but from other writers of history, that as Thomas was there in India, he led thousands and thousands and thousands of Hindus into a relationship with Jesus. The Hindu leaders, they weren't happy about it. And so they said, look, stop talking about Jesus or we're going to kill you. And Thomas, just like he had done before, he said, if I die, then I die. Again, death wish, Thomas, is probably the better. (laughs) If I die, I die. And eventually, that's exactly what happened. On December the 21st of the year 72 AD, the Hindus drove a stake through his body. Doubting Thomas, death wish Thomas, 
became the martyr, Thomas. And why would somebody willingly die for this message that they are preaching? It's because he had literally seen Jesus who had risen again from the dead. I've shared that with you so many times in the past, but I'm going to continue to share it so that hopefully it becomes a part of your phraseology and, and vocabulary. And that is that people die for lies all the time, but you won't die for something that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt is a lie. But yet that's what we see with each and every one of these disciples, except for Judas who had committed suicide, and then John who got arrested and they tried to kill him, but he eventually died in prison. But the other 10 disciples, Thomas included, they all die as martyrs for their faith. That they are saying, Jesus rose again from the dead. He truly is God, and he has the power over sin. And they kept saying, shut up, or we're going to kill you. And each and every one of them died for what they were preaching. If it was a lie, they would not have died for it. And so that's part of the confidence we can have as, as followers in the resurrection is that person after person after person, it wasn't just even the disciples, many, many others that were eyewitnesses, they died because of what they had seen with their own eyes. Now, they had the blessing of that. But remember what Jesus said, even more blessing comes to those who haven't seen me. Peace of mind, peace of heart. So if you haven't learned it yet from this story, it's okay to doubt. But just be honest about those doubts and don't remain in your doubt. Seek out an encounter with Jesus. Once you encounter Jesus, he's going to give you faith over your fear. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for um, just this incredible story of this man named Thomas who's been mislabeled as a doubter. And Lord, I know that many people that are here in this room and many people that are watching online, they've gotten some labels in their lives as well. Whether it's mistakes that they've made or, or character traits. Lord, you break all those labels. Jesus, when you went to the cross, not only did you have the power over sin to forgive us of our sins, but, but you give us the, the power now to, to break those labels and, and to have freedom for that so that we can now be like Thomas and walk in a new identity. He isn't doubting Thomas. He's the martyr Thomas, somebody who so believed in you that he was willing to die for his faith. So Lord, I pray for each and every person that's here and watching, whether live or maybe they're watching sometime in the future, that Lord, those labels would just be broken here today that they would be remembered no more. And that we would remember the new label that you've given us, that when we have prayed and asked for your forgiveness and we've asked for your leadership in our lives, that we're now your child, we're a son or a daughter of the king, that we are more than a conqueror, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, that you have given us a new identity. The, the old is gone, the new has come. We are a new creation full of love and grace and mercy and compassion, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All those things are the fruit of your Spirit living inside of us. 
And so, Lord, I pray for those here, those that are online, that if they have not encountered you in that way, that all those attributes have come to them. Lord, I pray that they would seek you with all of their heart. That they would lean not on their own understanding, but in all their ways they would acknowledge you. You will then direct their path. Jesus, you've promised that if we seek you, we will find you. Because you're actually the one coming after us. We're the ones that are lost. You are making an all-out effort to make it known to all of us that you want to be a major part of our lives, the major part of our lives. So, Lord, I just pray that all the doubts, all the concerns, all the anxiety would just be washed away today. And that, as you promised, your peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and guard our minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus, thank you for that transformation you did in my life so many years ago. Do that same thing for everybody else. Thank you again. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.